Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. It is September, the ninth month of the year, and I am still sitting on the floor of my bedroom closet, which means this is another edition of Nerdette's Introvert's Guide to the Good Life. Now, maybe you are one of those people who's like, fall can't exist until after the 21st of September. Maybe you, like me, grew up in Alaska and are like, it's going to snow any day now. Either way... The weather is changing, and when it is fall, it is baking weather, and that means it is time to get your bake on. So we thought it would be fun to reach out to Shauna Seaver. She's a baker and cookbook author. Her latest cookbook is called Midwest Made. She's going to give us some recipes, but also tell us about all the spices we should stock up on now and the sourdoughs we need to start and the pies we need to scarf down like ASAP. Shauna, hey. Hi, Greta. So where do you fall on the it's not fall until September 21st debate? <laughs> well, this year is a little bit different because we are doing remote learning with my kids oh, here at home. Sure. Uh-huh. And that has started. Yeah, we're all we're all on a different planet. Um, but it does mean that we can kind of bake together in the middle of the day, which isn't something we would typically do oh, during yeah, the school year. Sweet. Um, so yeah, so we have started firing up the oven a little bit here and doing uh, some things now that the weather's been a, a little cooler, at least for this stretch. It does feel like a relief. Doesn't it? Yeah, I've really been enjoying it. I feel like, because yeah, this week, I mean, even starting on Monday, it was just like rain and clouds. It was just like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Like it's oh, time. Yes. Afternoon coffee. That's not yes. iced. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I'm drinking hot tea now. Uh-huh. Yeah, it feels good. So, yeah, I think, like, I'm glad to hear you're excited about it, too, because I totally am. I love the idea of, like, choosing when I want to sweat, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, now it's it feels more optional than it was in, like, the middle of August or whatever. Absolutely. Um, And, yeah, I think, as you mentioned, too, like, we can finally turn our ovens on and feel like it's not, like, a a total crime. Mm -hmm. Um, So to that end, like, what are some delicious things that you might recommend for people who are finally willing to crank on the oven again? Well, I will say that I have picked up my sourdough habit again. Are we all sick of sourdough? Is this, <laughs> we're tired of it, right? I mean. Um, I put mine in the fridge. It was in there for weeks and weeks. We And, and I forgot all about it. So out of curiosity, just wanted to see if um, I named my sourdough starter Chloe Sevigny. Oh, okay. There's a backstory. Um, mostly because it's it's flaxen colored. It's unpredictable. Oh, it's okay. Wow. Wild. Yeah. This is a personality thing. Okay. Exactly. I love it. I love it. 
But like Chloe Sevigny, she did bounce back. Um, oh. And so, yeah, we've had a couple nice loaves of bread the past few days. Um, of course, with sourdough, you want your oven to be really super hot and preheat that oven for almost an hour. So, yeah, you do need cooler weather to make that more comfortable. Um, but other than the bread, and, and I would say if, if you didn't get on the starter thing earlier in the pandemic, now is kind of your good time to do it when the weather isn't so completely cold it'll make it easier to get your starter kind of kicking. oh that's good advice yeah so, so yeah I actually am not a starter person what would I need to do to make this happen oh well you can get online and now everyone has a, uh you know there's a million posts on how to do it but essentially it's just flour and water and time over about mm, I'd say you want at least a couple of weeks of, uh, of feeding and kind of basically what you're doing is becoming a yeast farmer. <laughs> it's true. And you're kind of, you know, growing your own yeast rather than using the stuff in the packets. So as long as we're not in those really super cold temperatures, it's a, it's a lot easier to do that in your home this time of year. And then by the time the winter comes and you feel like baking bread, um, you'll kind of have your starter going. And, and when you and when you say you feed it, you just keep giving it more flour and water? Flour and water. And as it kind of starts to grow, you need to remove a little bit of it and, and discard it. There is a little bit of waste in the beginning oh, when you're right. getting it going. Um, but yeah, the idea is you want to give it enough food for it to keep flourishing. So if there's too much in your container, there it will require too much food and you can very quickly <laughs> grow a, a whole menagerie of, of yeast. You want to keep it small. You don't need very much, right? right. This so, makes sense. This makes yeah. sense. You know, one fermenting thing that I have been doing is ginger bug. Have you heard of it? Oh, is this from your ginger? You came into like, <laughs> I remember that you came into like a- you saw my a Instagram story about it. <laughs> glut of ginger. I was like, that's unusual. Uh, I ordered groceries and I made the mistake. I put in two under uh -huh. ginger and I like, I was thinking like the units were like little nubbins of ginger, you know, like <laughs> thumb sized wads, but no. I accidentally ordered two pounds of ginger. <laughs> so you have your ginger. So yeah, it turns out there's this stuff called ginger bug, which is, I think it's sort of like the, uh, you can make ginger ale out of it Ooh. or a ginger beer or any of those. So it's like a super concentrated and yeah, I'm feeding it ginger and sugar every day and it's just ginger, sugar, water and time. And oh. I'm very curious. It's fizzing. It's like making the happy bubbles. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it turns out. I'll have to look that up. It almost sounds like a kombucha type situation. Yes. Is yeah. That... I think it's similar except, you know, this kombucha involves that whole, the SCOBY situation yeah. which this does not it's literally just water and sugar and ginger so magical yeah I don't know a lot about it but when I posted on my Instagram stories this picture of like massive it's like bigger than my head these pieces of ginger I was like <laughs> what do I do with this and a couple people were like ginger bug so yeah I'm trying it I still kind of have no idea what's going on but it seems pretty exciting so far <laughs> oh I'll have to stay tuned that sounds good yes so beyond sourdough what else are you thinking about this time of year that's just like that screams fall and is delicious that people should be doing yeah for me it's all about what I call the counter cakes which are those mm. cakes that you keep on the counter over the course of a week and you're like eh, I'm gonna shave off one more piece <laughs> maybe one more piece and then you kind of like wear a little groove in your floor from going between the couch and the cake, you know? Yes. I love um, those. So yeah. And that, that it, it's wonderful because they're, they're 
typically very easy to make, a lot of one bowl recipes. I'm thinking things like loaf cakes, bundt cakes, stuff you don't have to make a fussy icing or frosting. Um, I have a recipe in my last book, Midwest Made, that's called cinnamon sugared pumpkin chip snack cake. Oh my God. And that's just the idea of a snack cake alone, let alone all those (laughs) other amazing words you just said. That sounds perfect. It's liberating when you call it a snack cake. Right. Yeah. I, I'm really down with the snack cake. So this one is, I mean, it's fall and an eight by eight essentially can't get more fall than that. You know, um, it is, you know, a pumpkin loaf, which we all have sort of seen, but it has bittersweet chocolate chips, which is mm. nice for sort of offsetting any uh, sweetness. It's um, got this really almost crispy sort of cinnamon sugar topping on it. So that is, you know, that screams fall, but there's lots of other great counter cakes too, you know, things like banana bread and um, even a double, my a recipe that's really getting a lot of play from the book right now is the double chocolate zucchini loaf. Oh, that sounds lovely. It's there. The zucchini is a, a whisper of an ingredient. It's Oh, but the virtue a, is so important, Shana. It is. <laughs> and you can use the last of the zucchini, which we do, you know, if you grow it or if you have a neighbor who has it, they're still probably bringing you a little bit of zucchini. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really great way to use it. So yeah, a big fan of the counter cakes right about so now. So when you say double chocolate, does that involve like cocoa powder and then chocolate chips? Correct. It is a deeply chocolate cake. And the zucchini serves to give a lot of moisture Mm -hmm. and it sort of, you know, disappears. It's not a zucchini uh, bread that maybe your mom used to make where it was, uh, you know, more dense and weird. Yeah. Or a spice cake. This is not that. This Mm -hmm. is really a chocolate cake. I mean, that sounds amazing. I would love to eat that. Well, you, you should. Now is the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, big fan of the counter cakes. And also about this time of year, if you want to feel really highly domestic, you'll start thinking about the spices that are in your pantry. And we all know those warming spices that come with fall baking. And I always do a couple of things to kind of, you know, Im- improve my pantry situation. So mm. I'll stock up on Vietnamese cinnamon which is sometimes known as Saigon cinnamon. Mm -hmm. It actually tastes like Red Hot's candy if you kind of take a little bit on your tongue. It's much different than the dusty supermarket cinnamon we all grew up with. Is it a brighter color too? It is. It's a very rich color. And a lot of times you can buy it in bulk. If you go to a natural food store or, uh, you know, even Whole Foods will have it sometimes. The Vietnamese cinnamon is is what you can buy in bulk. And it's so delicious. You use the same amount, but it just has such a a vibrant cinnamon flavor. And then I will always use freshly grated nutmeg. So I get my little micro plane and I buy the whole nutmeg. Totally. You think you don't like nutmeg, you'll change your (laughs) mind when you have fresh nutmeg. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing would be um, Chinese five spice powder, which is a really interesting way to use warming spices. Um, But it's, it, really great with fruits, especially apples, pears, uh, even those kind of last kind of bits of stone fruit we're seeing right now. Mm. It has a combination of nutmeg, star anise, black pepper. It just plays so well with so many things we want to eat this time of year. And so that's a really great thing to keep in mind, even with, you know, an apple pie, a Chinese five spice is delicious. 
Whoa. Yeah. So yeah, what are some other apple pie hacks that you've got? I know like cheddar cheese is a pretty common one, right? Where do you fall on that one? Oh, I love it actually that, you know, that falls into the sweet and savory kind of thing mm-hmm. that a lot of people really love right now. A lot of times I'll take my, just my regular pie dough that I make and I just take some grated cheddar and just cut it in with the dry ingredients and you can Whoa. make yourself a cheddar crust. Wow. Really super good. Um, otherwise, what do I do? Oh, for my apple pie, I always like to macerate the fruit first. So basically I'll, I'll cut mm. the apples, mix it with the sugar and any spices, and then you let it sit for about an hour. And then you get this really flavorful liquid that the fruit yeah. sort of gives off. Now, normally yeah. that liquid would end up liquidy in your pie. But what you're going to do is drain that liquid off into a saucepan, reduce it a little bit to make it even more appley and more intense in flavor. Mm -hmm. And then you thicken it at that point with your cornstarch so that you can see it's not going to be runny in your finished pie, right? And then you mix the fruit back in And then you get a really wonderful texture. The pie won't be soggy and you get more intense flavor. So that's a really great apple pie hack. That's amazing. I'm glad you mentioned pie because I feel like that's one that intimidates a lot of people just because, I don't know, I think a lot of things can go wrong. And even just a, especially if you're making your own crust, I think for a lot of folks, it's just like, "Mm, this is not for me. What (laughs) encouraging words would you have for someone who's maybe never made a pie before, but who's like, you know what? I got time. Like, why not give it a shot this year? If you have a food processor, please mm. use it. I know some of us have it and we have the parts in different parts of your our house and we've never actually put our food processor together. Um, I was one of those people for a long time and then started using it. And the thing that's really great about a food processor is that the ingredients in the pie crust will stay cold. So you want your butter. I like an all butter pie crust myself. So it really helps to keep the ingredients cool because you're not working it as much as you might with your hands. Um, My hands tend to run cooler anyway. I get that from my grandmother. You always call them pastry making hands (laughs) when your hands stay cool. But this time of year, you know, you may still be sort of warm and, and, that means that it will warm the fat in your pie crust too. So mm-hmm. um, that's why, you know, old school bakers you'd see using a pastry blender or two knives. Sometimes you see that's mm-hmm. why, cause you don't want to handle the fat too much. Yeah. Um, but I really like a food processor for doing my, my pie crust. So it makes it come together really quickly. I'm oh, sorry. You've got a little one. I do. He's not supposed to be up here right is now. Everything, is he supposed to be in school right now? No, he's on a break. (laughs) He's on a break, which is funny because I never get a break anymore. I know, right? I can't even talk pie with Greta. Oh, my word. Oh, my goodness. Don't worry about it. Um, Whatever you do, you know, and like I've made a berry pie that's like mostly soup, but like it's still delicious, you know, like so you burn the crust a little, like call it rustic. If it's still good, like whatever, you know, don't worry about it. And that is my philosophy about pie as well. Pie is not supposed to be supermodel food. It's home food, you know? It's supposed to be about sitting down around a table. I love pie because it's not a cupcake. You can't eat it with a napkin. You need to sit with a fork and a plate (laughs) and and take a moment and eat your pie. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
And that's a wonderful thing. Um, and, and to that end, I think a lot of people, you know, they think about like the soggy pie. I will leave you with one more tip, which I call my crust dust. And it's Ooh. wonderful, especially for fruit pie, especially berry pies, which as you said, get extra juicy. <laughs> If you mix a teaspoon of flour and a teaspoon of sugar, and you just scatter that over your bottom crust before you add your filling, it gives you like a little barrier. Um, oh, berry barrier? A berry barrier. <laughs> That's right. Um, and it is really helpful in keeping the, the bottom crust from getting super soggy. That's super smart. So before I let you go, now that everyone is like super jazzed about trying out pies... Uh, you mentioned warming spices. Yes. I noticed you did not mention the specific phrase pumpkin spice. And I feel like this is another contentious thing that comes up this time of maybe earlier and earlier every year. Yes. What's, what's your, what are your pumpkin spice opinions, Shauna? I don't think pumpkin spice is a thing. That's not a spice. That's a... (laughs) You mean you can't like dry out a pumpkin and grind it up and call it a day? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a vibe. It's not a spice. So yep, that's I true. know you can buy pumpkin pie spice, yes. but I think um, the reason why I don't have that is because of my aforem- <laughs> aforementioned uh, spice snobbery about <laughs> upgrading my spices. Uh-huh. Um, I go a little... <laughs> I shouldn't say this joke. I go a little NPR on my spices. I do. Oh, no, I, I love it. I love I, uh, Let's throw some snobby shade at NPR. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> well, when you have Vietnamese cinnamon, fresh grated nutmeg, um, and and that sort of thing, it, it, you just won't get that same thing when you buy the, uh, the blended pie yeah. spice yeah. off the shelf. Yeah. But I don't mind. Maybe I'll have like one pumpkin spice latte a year and I always do like one pump of syrup because it gets too sweet I want Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'll take a whisper of it but I'm not gonna put on my Ugg boots and a scarf (laughs) and call my mom and all that (laughs) it's too much Greta it's too much I understand I often worry about how basic of a bitch I really am and and you know I think self-awareness is a really important component to not being 100% basic bitch, right? It's like, if we can laugh about it, that counts. Yeah, no, I I very much think that you have to, you know, acknowledge it and embrace it and be like, I'm buying the Joanna Gaines throw blanket (laughs) from Target today. I'm just doing it. I love anthropology, okay? My God. But I think if you text your friends that you're doing it, that negates, that's what I think. I've learned anyway, is if I don't feel like, oh my God, I'm buying this candle. I'm buying this Joanna Gaines candle, you guys. And they're like, it's all right. You're still cool. Am I? We're all doing our best. We're all doing our best. Oh, Shauna, it is always such a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for hanging out. Oh, thank you. And thank you for dealing with my cast of thousands while we talk baking. <laughs> I love it. I love I appreciate it. You got, a lot go- you got a lot going on. I appreciate that you took some time out from that. <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> 
Shauna Seaver, what an amazing human. If you're like, oh my God, I need to know so much more about that double chocolate zucchini cake. Well, you are in luck. The recipe is over on our website, wbez.org slash nerdette. And I am here to tell you, I made it over the weekend and it is like the word I keep thinking of to describe it is obscene. It's just like so ridiculously good. And this fall, if you make a pie, I want to see it. If you post it on Instagram, tag me. I'm at Greta M. Johnson. And I will tell you how amazing you are. I will just like heap praise upon you. Even if your pie looks weird or especially if it looks great. Because like whatever, it's pie. It's going to be delicious. Okay, one more thing you don't want to miss in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. A hundred and thirty years ago today, on September 15th, 1890, the Duchess of Death, the Queen of Crime, Agatha Christie, was born. That's right. It's another opportunity to celebrate a bad bitch birthday. The famous creator of Detectives Hercule Poirot and the delightful Miss Marple wrote 66 books. Her works have been adapted into radio plays and TV shows and films for decades. Agatha wrote her first short story when she was 18. The first book she wrote was rejected by publishers at least six times. When she was 30, her first book was published. It was her first mystery novel, and she went on to write two or three books a year for most of her life. She became a dame in 1971. One of her last public appearances before she died in 1976 was in 1974, and it was for the premiere of an adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. She said she liked the movie, but she did think Poirot's mustaches weren't luxurious enough. Luxurious is the word she used. She once wrote, my chief dislikes are crowds, loud noises, gramophones, and cinemas. I dislike the taste of alcohol and do not like smoking. I do like sun, sea, flowers, traveling, strange foods, sports, concerts, theaters, pianos, and doing embroidery. She sounds pretty great, right? All right, that's it for today. The show was produced by me and Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. We will see you on Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. 
Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.